0: The titles lately have been interesting. I don't know if that title's up there, but um, the title is called License to Sin. Now, it isn't one, but that is what the Corinthian church thought that Paul's Christian liberty, freedom in Christ, whatever you want to call the, hey, we're not under the law anymore, so blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever that means to you, it isn't a license to sin. And this church... We always have to start with context, considering um, Jim taught last week, and um, obviously we've been going through 1 Corinthians for a, a good period of time, but this is a long look, and there's a lot in it. And so we want to set up, for those who haven't heard these in succession, that this church was not only a mess, but it was living in a, in a city. I mean, the culture is very similar to our culture, uh, in terms of like just per, just permissiveness, like whatever you want to do is cool. But like whatever you want to do is fine. Um, no one's going to judge you. Whatever you want to be, whatever you want to say you are, whatever you want to go do, um, whatever you want to be addicted to, it's all good. It's all good in America. But this is a lot like a Vegas. This city is a lot like a Vegas, and so we we have to set this up each time we go back into it because you might think that he's talking to some great church that was super orderly. And a church like, like Ephesus, or a church um, that that we write about later on, that he writes about later on, that worth more. Most stuff is in pretty good order. This church, there was very little order in this church. But Paul spent a lot of time at this church, and so he not only loved all the church the church is, but all the churches that he started. But he spent eighteen months at this church, and for Paul, that was a long time. So we want to look at a couple of the things before we get into this idea, but I also want to remind you that we started back in uh, a couple of weeks back with this idea of immorality infiltrating the church. Sexual immorality, just rampant, like no one cares. He says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 5, it's actually reported that somebody in your church is having an affair with his father's wife. So in other words, he's sleeping with his stepmother, and no one says a word to this guy. How can this be? How can any church just, like, look at that and be like, eh, it's fine. You know, don't judge him. Don't be like that. So I want to look at a few isolated things in this, in this chapter. We're going to try and, and bust our way all the way from 9 to 20. it be difficult. But he starts off again with this phrase, do you not know? Verse 9 Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So much in there. And obviously, when you live in a woke culture... To say things like I just said out loud is enough to get just canceled, blasted. I'm not a country music star that gets canceled, but that did happen this, last week. Um, when you think about this list of sins, a lot of Christians go, well, there's the ugly ones. And a lot of us used to be in that category, because Paul says that in the very next verse. However, there is no ratings of sin. This isn't like rated R, it is that. Rated G is your gossip. It's not like that. To God, there's a standard. There's a bar up top. And the bar is holiness. And no one but Jesus has ever ever come close to it. But many would let you think that they have been very close, if not right there. And that is religiosity. That is legalism. That is somebody trying to justify themselves by saying, I stand on my own merit. I will get to God through my morality, through my lifestyle, through whatever, your philanthropy, your how much you give, how much you serve, how much you've done for people, how many people you feed. It doesn't matter. All have sinned and come short of God's glorious standard. That standard is in the stratosphere. We are down here and it's like the highest jumper. Somebody once jumped and hit 12 feet. It's about 150,000 feet up. So while well, 12 is better than nine, not really. In the NBA, maybe. It's not that great. It's nowhere close. But a lot of us somehow think we're, well, I don't, I'm not an extortioner, I'm not a homosexual, I'm not whatever, I don't cheat on my wife, I don't do these other things. The word homosexuals here is actually the word catamites, which is, um, I would say it almost directly, because of the context of this letter, I would say it almost directly goes to Caesar Nero because Caesar Nero castrated a young boy and then married him and took him as a wife. This is the guy running the world at the time. not just that, most of the Caesars, I think there was fourteen or fifteen of them, most of them were either bisexual or homosexual, most of them and so what was a wife for well i got I gotta have heirs I gotta have kids because I need we need power right we got we got to leave an heir so we can take this um, we can have another Caesar so that's the only reason you would ever that, some of these guys that's the only reason they they were married it's I mean it's it's pretty disgusting that they would think that way, but the Caesars were horrible people, I and mean, most of them. So that word is interesting. So it definitely denotes. I mean, sodomy. It definitely is saying that. But that that word, male prostitute, some translate it male prostitute, thieves, people who steal, people who are, are coveting. I mean, that's one of the literally one of the Ten Commandments. So this list, he says, don't you know that people who practice these things are not inheritors of, of, of heaven? These people are not um, somebody to follow. People that live these lifestyles, practice these sins, they are not kids of Jesus. Now, does that mean that people that are in these sins currently or struggle with these sins or have, that they can't be Christians? Absolutely not. Why? How do you know that, Dan? Well, because he says, and such were some of you. So lest you think that you're better, it's sort of like the person who used to be in jail, And they get out of jail and they're like, well, and they judge someone who goes to prison. It's like, well, I'm not there currently. Yeah, but you were. How can you not see that? Well, I'm not anymore. I'm way better now. Well, why are you better? Because you're terrified of another judge or because you're a Christian? Which one? You didn't just get better later in life. Deception is the interesting part here. Deception on many levels a deceived person does not know they're being deceived. That's the whole point. Deception in Christianity is rampant, I believe. I believe people are deceived by lots of stuff. I believe that people cannot see most of the time their own blind spot. Well, how do I know that? Because it's a blind spot. You can't see it. And so a lot of people stiff arm the outside world or Christians or family or whatever, and they go, I, don't, don't talk to me don't don't bring that up to me you have so many problems i know but i'm not bringing it up to you to try and hurt you i'm bringing it up to you because we're brothers in christ and i'm trying to help you and you feel free to say anything to me too that's how we get better by not refusing to have the conversation with somebody who truly loves us and we know truly has that best interest it doesn't even have to be somebody you're super close to but when you when when the person comes to you how they come to you is biblical and they, they, they say to you, hey, far be it from me, I, I am not a perfect person, but I, I did notice this. And I'm just wondering if it's like, is this something you're kind of struggling with? I'm not going to say anything to anybody. I, 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 I love you as a brother. I want to help. That's a great part. But deception says, I don't need to listen to you because you struggle with something. Well, that's humanity. Humanity is to struggle. So it's a list of sins that go from Rated R, rated NC-17, rated M, to g But the problem is they're all sins. And so he's saying, hey, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. Those three things are interesting. Very interesting because the, the scriptures talk about, uh, Titus talks about the idea of being washed by the Spirit. This book talks about the idea of being sanctified, that Jesus sanctifies in, verse, uh, in chapter 1. And then in Romans, Paul makes the argument of the justification to the Father. Why do I need to be justified? Because God is a judge. And because if you have sinned one time, you you are guilty. James says, you're guilty of all. Meaning, there is a standard and you can't mess it up one time. However, there is somebody who paid the tab for all sin. But you have to come to him and you have to repent and you have to acknowledge that you have not kept that perfect standard. So, he says, you know, hey, some of you guys were living that lifestyle. But you were washed, you were sanctified, justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus. One of the reasons we mention we baptize people, because baptized people have recently usually come from the world into the kingdom of God, and we want people to understand that the God is God in three persons, and all three persons have a role. The Spirit of God is our counsel. The Spirit of God is our fuel in this life. and Jesus has come to this earth and paid the debt physically, but that God is spirit, and in heaven He does have a standard, and if you're going to come and live in His heaven, that standard's got to be wiped clean, or it's got to be perfect." And only one has ever done that, His Son. So he says in verse 12, "All things are lawful, but for me, or excuse me, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I love the new living that says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. That is kind of how we would say it more today. But it's the idea of, if all things are possible, then that's a huge freedom. But if in all those things, there's a lot of stuff that's not helpful for my growth, and stuff that puts me under mastery of it, an addiction, a vice, whatever, well, that's not going to be helpful for my relationship with Jesus. So my freedom allows me to not choose that. My freedom allows me to walk away from that and to walk toward God. That's the freedom. And so it's more, it's not about, well, yeah, but we can do these things now without any fear of prosecution. Is that the heart of Christ is that the heart of the spirit of God? Is that the heart of somebody who paid your tab to a level you'll never understand? No, it is not. Um, on Tuesday nights, we talk. Um, we're going through the book. It's a discipleship book with the kids, and it's called "The Rest of the Gospel." And there's a lot in that title that we could talk about. But I love the book because it, it talks about the body and the blood side all the time. Like, what's the bo- what is the body? Because people talk about uh, communion, the Eucharist, and some go, "Oh, it's the literal body of Christ that turns into His actual blood and." Um, there's a lot of fighting in, within the church as to what communion really is. Is it symbolic? Is it real? All these other things. But one thing's for sure. There is a cracker that represents the body, food if you will. There is the wine that represents the blood of Christ. And so there's the body that died and was raised up, and there's the blood that covers. And so the blood the blood covers my sin. The body side, I when I get baptized, I go under like a grave and I come out raised to new life and we always talk about in this Bible study I said uh, what's you guys' favorite restaurants and they, they say you know some say this and some say that I go what about Bob's Chop House Bob's Chop House is like the $75 border houses I go what if you walked into Bob's and every night you walked into Bob's some guy goes hey his tab's on mine you can't get out of there for a water and a steak's $100 bucks. can not get out for cheap and hopefully they bring you that puffy bread, that really awesome puffy bread, hopefully. Although I can't really eat that stuff anymore. Um, if, if somebody did that to you every night, they just walked up wherever you were and said, hey, I got you, is your heart to hurt them? Is your heart to grieve them? Or is your heart like, man, like I, I don't even have any words for what you did. Like, I need to eat, and I really shouldn't be able to afford this place, but you've made it. Able for me to afford this place. Jesus made it, he made it possible for you to go to a place that you cannot get into and that you shouldn't be eating at. And that's the marriage supper. That's heaven. On our own, on our own merit, we shouldn't be in that house. We shouldn't be in God's house. And yet, he makes a way. And so, when we think about all things are possible for me to enjoy, do, whatever. Well, do whatever you do purely, but do it for the enjoyment. If you're going to have a great meal and break bread with Christians and, or friends or whoever, enjoy it. Understand the blessing that it is to have food. But don't go get hammered and be like, well, we're doing this on to God because there was wine at, in, at, the, at the Last Supper. I know, out of context, did you see the disciples get hammered? No. Did you ever see Jesus out of line with that? No, you did not because he wasn't going to be brought under the mastery of drunkenness, which is one of the things on this list. All things are lawful, but not all things are going to help me further my relationship. Verse 13, Foods for the stomach, and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up, By his power. He starts to shift gears and move back into sexual immorality because there was a couple things going on with this church that were really, really messy. And I want to read David Lowry's commentary on this. He says, Food for the stomach and stomach for the food was another slogan by which some Corinthians sought to justify their immorality. They reasoned that food was both pleasurable and necessary. When their stomachs signaled hunger, food was taken to satisfy them. So, too, they argued sex was pleasurable and necessary. When their, bodies sat, when their bodies signaled sexual desire, they needed to be satisfied. But Paul drew a sharp line between stomach and the body. The body, soma, the word, in this context, meant more than the physical frame. It referred to the whole person, composed of flesh and spirit. The body, therefore, was not perishable but eternal. And it was not meant for sexual immorality, pornea, um, using what God created for good sex, Genesis chapter 2, and doing whatever you could possibly think of to satisfy that desire, which is what we see every single day in our culture. Whatever weird thing you could possibly ever imagine, it's being exploited. It's, being, it's on TikTok, it's on YouTube, it's on whatever. He says, but, not for sexual immorality, but for union with the Lord which is reciprocal. The, etern- the eternality of the body, the future destiny of the individual, was made certain by Christ's resurrection. Genesis chapter 2 sets up the idea that God instituted marriage. He instituted taking one man and one woman and, and putting them together, and there's a union there. There's a union with you and the Lord when you come to Christ. There's a union of you and your wife, when, or your wife and the husband, when they get married. And so sex is, that. that's for that context. It's for lots of stuff. Obviously, it's for procreation as well, but it's for bonding. It's for, um, it is good, and God says it's good in that context. But there's 5 million other contexts that people have taken it out of and said, oh, well, we we have this um, dimension of us, so it's fine for us to indulge it however we want to. Oh, we want to be gluttons. We want to just eat and drink until we can't even eat and drink anymore because food is great. We know that. Sex is great, and most of us that have been in, in that world know that. But in the context of how God made it, it is is a shame that that word is often not talked about in church. It was never talked about in my church in the 80s in the Little Baptist Church. The word, it was almost like, I thought, I thought he said that word, but it's so weird to hear it in church. It must be wrong. It must be sick. It must be whatever. And then why people think that, you understand why. Because the world's like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it to your five-year-old at a public school. They do, they shouldn't, but they do. And so I love his commentary there because he finishes up by saying, um, it's for union with the Lord, which is reciprocal, the eternality of the body. Yes, you're physical, but you will live forever either way. That the physical part of us is is huge and it's it's very real and it's how we relate to this physical earth, but it is the only thing that will stop. Your soul and spirit will live on. They will. And so how are you going to live? The eternality of the body, the future destiny of the individual was made certain by Christ's resurrection. So we get into this, you know, this context of what's going on in this church and you start to wonder, hmm, how bad were they? You could probably make a reality show about the Corinthian church. It would have huge ratings, trust me. But God both raised up the Lord and will raise us up. That's a, that's a certainty. Do you not know? Again, he says, do you not know? Outside of this book, this, this, this phrase is almost not used in the whole te- context of the New Testament. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot, a prostitute? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one, one flesh. And that's once again that's Genesis chapter 2. But I want to say a couple things about this because membership is an interesting thing. Um, some of us are members of certain things members of uh, a gym Uh, some are members of like you know a a, a country club or some golf thing Um, and my context is I used to work at country clubs um, as a caddy when I was a little kid in Chicago where the weather's a little more set up for like carrying a bag Uh, people out here you know they kind of need to drive out here drive a car because it's so hot but what's interesting about membership is when you're a member of something When you truly are, have joined and paid your dues, there's standards to adhere to. Do you guys know this? I know if you've been to Costco, you realize that that's the one place where standards don't exist. You drive onto the property and it's anarchy, okay? It's every man for himself in the parking lot. If you get out without needing the paint and dent guy, you have have successfully navigated the labyrinth that is the Costco Northwest parking lot. Figure out how that place even exists and Jim Click has a car lot in the middle of it that he doesn't use anymore. But because of that, people are beyond angry because they can't get in and out in less than 25 minutes. But think about a country club for a second. When you become a member, you have to sit down with the membership director. And the membership director tells you certain stuff. At Oro Valley Country Club, they're very, more, they're very traditional. I'm not a member, but I've been there. And you, you, like when we're done golfing there, me and a friend of mine, we have a hat on and we go inside and grab a burger and they go, you gotta take your hat off. Why? Because it's, it's, that's the club rules. That's the membership rules. Women don't have to. Men have to take their hat off. We know what our hair looks like. I mean, we don't even have much. But you know what our hair looks like after, it's like, do you really want that? Do you realize what you're asking? Can I have a, at least a bandana or something to cover it up? But no, that's, it's like traditional, like we take our hats off and such. But there's uniformity. There's the expectation that if you play golf, that you can finish in less than four hours because everybody plays four hours. I know that's a long time. You go to Randolph, and it's five and a half. Literally, five and a half. It's brutal to sit out there for that long because you have people who are like, hey, what's this, what's this game? A ball and a club, and they just go out there. They drive around. The cart girl gives them a few drinks, and by the back nine, you better have a sleeping bag because it's going to be a while. That doesn't happen at country clubs. It's one of the reasons people, people join because they want uniformity. They want a standard. They want to be able to count on something. And with the public, can't count on anything anymore you don't know what you're going to get. There's a standard in the church. Paul's trying to tell them, hey guys, you can't behave like this. Some of you guys used to be wild, as can be, but you can't behave like this, and you got to stop. And for those of you who think that it's okay for you to go out, and that your body is not connected to your spirit, is not connected to your soul, and so you can just go hire prostitutes whenever you feel like it, because you're not married, or what? maybe you are married and you're still doing it. Guys, when you join yourself to anybody sexually, you, you join yourself to them. That the union was, was just because you deny God, atheist, doesn't mean that the principles that God set in motion don't exist. They do exist. And so he's like, he's trying to shock them a little bit and be like, hey, would you join, you know, the, the, the cord, the braid of cord uh, that Ecclesiastes talks about, that, you know, there's you, your wife, and the, and the Lord, should you also bring in a hooker to that? And you're like, whoa, Paul, don't use such language. He's like, you're the ones doing it. You act on Sunday morning like, oh, don't, don't talk of such things. But here's a camera from you last night at the Corinth temple trying to worship somebody, and you're with that girl. What's up with that? Don't you realize that you brought Christ into that sin? You grieved him. He had to watch that. Uh, okay. Uh, next topic, Paul, please, quickly. Can we jump? He who is joined, verse 17... The Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality like Joseph did. Run as fast as you can. Why? Because most of the time when it's on your doorstep, if you stare too long, if you wait too long to run, you're gonna get tripped. Period. Run. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, do people think this? No, because it doesn't feel the same way as some other thing that you might do. But there's still that there, there, there's something there for forever when sexual immorality happens. There's a stain. And it's like sinning against yourself. You're hurting yourself. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Crazy. A lot of people don't teach that verse. A lot of people don't. And in, in, loose Christian circles? Don't even believe this verse. Or do you not know, how many times he's going to say that, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Well, if I'm not my own, then how am I free? Because you were purchased out of basically hell. You were in a hole you could not get out of. So when someone helps you out of the hole, what do you see in cartoons when someone's in some little crazy hole. Help me out. I'll do anything for you. Okay. Well, here's my wish. Um, I wish that you would follow me. Signed, Jesus. Well, I will and I won't. If it gets difficult, I'm going to do my own thing. Well, then you're not in. Just, Just being serious, just being straight. Do you not know that your body is the temple? When I think about a temple, I think automatically about in Jerusalem, And what's there right now is obviously a remnant. It's not that awesome, but it's great to see it. It's great to walk on it. The context of how you get to the Temple Mount now is a little unfriendly. If you've been there, you understand. I don't have time to explain to you the Palestinians slash Jordanians, the Muslims that run it, it, are very, very, very difficult to deal with. And they oftentimes get really mouthy with the women in our groups. I mean, it's it's not fun. Like my tour guide likes to get in a verbal spar with them every single time. Um, and he's like, I hate going here. I'm like, I know, but if you would just not say anything, that we wouldn't get in, like almost killed. But he likes to. He likes to say stuff to him. So when you go up there, you can tell. Granted, it's a mosque that's there, but you can tell this is a special piece of real estate. And when you walk that, it's multiple football fields big. This Temple Mount. You know what was there, and if you see pictures, if you see renderings, renderings. got people have taken from the Old Testament and drawn these uh, CGIs that literally, like, they put it right there. It's beautiful. It's amazing. You wouldn't, if you're a Christian and you have this, like, kind of holiness thing inside you, you wouldn't go in there and be like, "Hey, let's go uh, set up a poker table and uh, let's just gamble, and let's just, you know, let's get, let's just, I don't know, bring in, you know, some barrels of wine and let's just, let's just go crazy here." That's the last place people would do that. But he's saying your body is that. So you're doing, you're bringing it inside, not only inside of you, but you're bringing it, it's like like cursing someone, it's like hurting someone, it's like beating someone up. You're doing that to your own self. So do you not know? This temple is inside of you. And lastly, four guys, don't forget this. All Christians that hear this, For you were bought at a high price. I did put high in there, but let's be honest, anybody that knows what Jesus went through knows that price was really high. You were purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you belong to God, they're both his. A lot of people are like, well, it's a little weird, it's a little it's difficult to hear that, it's difficult to really kind of consume that. But it's the truth. And some people go, well, that's the thing that makes me not want it. Okay, well, go serve yourself and go stand before God Almighty on your merit one day. Well, I don't like that idea. I know, but it's still going to happen. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Just because I don't like going to the DMV doesn't mean I'm not going to have to go to the DMV. We all have to go at some point. We all have to grin and bear it. We all have to go to the doctor. And as you get older, you have to go more and more and more. You're like, why does this hurt now? And... I'm starting to have some of that. It's a lot of from the Texas rolls that you all have bought me, and the sugars and the donuts and such, but I do love you either way. But whether we can map our, wrap our minds around it, those in Christ were purchased at a high price. Jesus paid the tab. Jesus paid a tab nobody on this planet, no person since Adam or the last could possibly pay for their own sins. They cannot outjustify the things they've done by going, well, uh, but I've sent, ever since I stopped really being bad, I've been doing so many things for God. I believe it's just a, an issue of scales. You know, the good outweighing the bad. Do you really want to be faced with eternity one of two places, hell or heaven? Do you really want to gamble on that? If you're really being, like, honest. Because these things are designed to take our attention off of reality. They're designed to be a reality that we kind of live inside of, and very rarely do we go outside of, like, the communications, the media that we know, the the life that these things bring into our world and just go, you know what? I'm not going to be reachable. I'm not going to be textable. I'm not going to be emailable. Like, I'm just going to, like, take a fast and, like, really, really try and get acquainted with some of these I feel like I know these passages but I feel like I haven't been around them in a long time and so I, w- I really want to take uh, uh, like some time away from this. Whatever. Put the I don't care. Don't throw it off the highway unless you want to, but put it in turn it off and put it in a in a closet. Be offline for a little while. Be not so busy for a little while and connect with this idea, this theme that it isn't a license to sin and at the same time you're not a prisoner even though Paul would say, hey, I'm a prisoner for Christ. That's what really mature Christians can understand. A lot of immature Christians can understand that, but it's not a bad thing. It seems like a bad thing because of what the world, the shine and the spin they've thrown on organized religion. And organized religion has done a lot of bad stuff, and it has a lot to answer for because Jesus never called anybody, I'm calling you to be a disciple of organized religion. Never one time, you'll never find it out of context. A relationship with the one who paid your tab an ongoing relationship with the one who pulled you out of a pit you could have never gotten out of and who offers freedom and redemption and so that you don't have to feel what you used to feel from the things you've done. you renounced that, that world, that life. This church needed to. Paul was like, hey, I got lots more to write. We're going to get into more of this o- over the next few chapters because he expounds on this. But he's trying to say shocking things. Nowadays, shock shock." Talk and shock statements are very—they're a big deal. People talk um, very, very coarsely and colorfully nowadays. Uh, Tony Robbins, uh, every once in a while, he'll just be talking and he just like shocks you with like eight curse words or whatever, and he's like, it, it shocks people out, you know, and they start listening to me. It's like, well, okay, well, whatever. I mean, it's an interesting cult that you run, but it's 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 whack. But there's something too when someone goes, well, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that shock value. Paul is trying to say, without without being coarse, without being gross, should you join you and Jesus to this girl who's selling herself? Should you do that? Certainly not. For those who go, hey, we're free, we have freedom to do anything. Actually not. You are free from the law, but should you do this? Just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? That's the deal. All right, a couple of uh, wrap-up points. As you and I develop... And further our relationship with Christ The love we have for him Will spur us to holiness That is through the process Of sanctification Through him making you more like him That's the power of God's Holy Spirit To make you more like your example, Christ That's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do For a Christian Not to regress and grieve him As you get older in your faith eh, I'm going to take a little break and do a little Carnival Do a little New Orleans style Nope not. Never, never need to do that. Never need to, never need to go there and, <laughs> and do up Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Secondly, it is also important to remember that our struggles may not be from the list, verses 9 and 10. That may not be your active struggle in life. Hopefully it's not, but struggles are struggles. The struggle is in raiding sin. Rated R, rated NC17, rated X, whatever. And then somebody coming to you and going, hey, I've been really struggling with this. And they're like, well, that's on the higher list. And I probably have struggled at some point, even maybe possibly recently. Maybe I sinned last year. But your sins are really, really, really bad. Well, what about the sin of judgment that just happened? We cannot rate sin. We cannot be a person that another Christian goes, hey, would I ever go up to that person and tell them the struggle that I have? Nope. They have judgment written all over their face. That's a terrifying place to be. Because ultimately what we should have is complete, we should have a functioning body where people are understanding that, as John says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. And at the same time, we should be in the process of being more like Christ. There should absolutely be growth. Sometimes it's slow growth. Sometimes people get frustrated at how slow you grow. And that's their problem. You keep your eyes on the Lord and take your cues from the Holy Spirit, and you'll be okay. And you won't be slipping into grieving the Holy Spirit. And if you do, there's forgiveness and there's repentance, but you have to recognize it. And if somebody comes to you and goes, hey, I love you, and I noticed this. I noticed that you went into this place... In town where we shouldn't really be, and you walked in there, oh yeah, I was just going in there to evangelize at the at the gentleman's club. Nothing gentlemanly about those places. I don't know how the word, it's the most oxymoronic term in our culture, gentleman's club. The oppos whatever the opposite is in the de- dictionary, that's what the first word should be. Um, but pray that those places close down. I'm serious. Like when you drive by, like pray that those places would would, would struggle and and rent themselves out to something different. I know people that do that and have had success doing it. All sin grieves God. You guys hear that? All sin grieves God. The sin of telling a little white lie, gossip, judgment. Uh, You know, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I did. And maybe now that person has another opinion of that person over there, and that's okay. No, not okay. It's little, maybe it's little to you on the scale of what I just read. Well, I'm not one of those. I'm not a 1 Corinthians 6, 9 Christian. Well, hopefully not, but some come out of that, because Paul said it. None are better than others. None are more acceptable to Jesus because of the few sins they offer Jesus. Well, I don't sin anywhere near as much as these people do. Well, then I love you more, Jesus said. Nope, never said that anywhere. All have sinned and come short. Fall short. It's kind of like if you're like jumping from an airplane to another airplane. I almost made it. I can only imagine what happened after that. You fell real short. Fell real far down. Even though the thought in this culture may have gravitated toward this heresy. Guys, make no mistake. It is an absolute heresy to think that God rates sins. Are there different consequences? Absolutely. The consequence to some sins is pretty rough versus something that's in theory, a little bit smaller on the consequence scale. It still will keep a person out of heaven without Christ. That little tiny one sin, James 2.10, versus the person who's just a gratuitous sinner, and they're just like a huge mess, like a publican, and beat their chest and go, God, I'm just rotten to the core. Well, guess who else said that somewhere? The guy that wrote this letter said it in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. He said the same exact thing. So nobody's on a different plank. No one's like well, I'm at like the high dive, and you're down here. Doesn't exist. That standard, I don't know where that comes from, but I've heard it a lot over the years in the church. But I, I want us to, to know, I want to close by reading God's word, verse 20. For you, Christian, if you are one, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word. Um, These are not my words. And uh, God, I do pray that your words will stick in our hearts and our minds. And God, that we will always be changed by your word, that we will be brought into a better relationship, closer to you. And that sanctification, that process of us being made more like your son, God, would happen each day that we still have breath. God, help us to be lights. Help us to be people that love that are not judgmental, but love people. And it's harder and harder, God, but we know with your, with your, through your spirit, you said all things are possible. It's not possible for us to love in our own context, but it is in yours. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.